Welcome, everybody, to our uh, Bible in a Year podcast. Uh, for this new episode, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm Vicar Jared. And for this episode, I'm joined by... Laura Warfel. I'm the Director of Marketing and Recruitment for Zion Lutheran School. I'm also a writer, and I have a great love for God's Word, and I always want to learn more about it. I'm glad to have you here, and especially with something like First uh, Peter's letter here, or Peter's letter to uh, these people. It's going to be great to kind of hear what you have to say, especially from your background as, as a writer. So before we start getting into the content of First Peter, I think it's, it's uh, helpful to kind of talk about the background, some of the history, and what's going on. So First uh, Peter is characterized underneath an epistle. It's just a fancy way for saying it. it's a letter. He's writing uh, this one in particular to uh, new converts, people who are new to the faith in, in order to help strengthen their faith and lead them on the righteous path. Because as we know, sometimes Christianity can be kind of a narrow path. It's easy to fall off on one side or the other. So he's hoping to kind of lead them along. Uh, we dated this book sometime around 67 AD or before. Unfortunately, we don't have uh, very clear postmarks to date this epistle. We do know that he was martyred in 68 AD because this is a time when Christians are persecuted very heavily, which definitely speaks to why he'd be writing the letter. If you're, if you're a Christian for your whole life, it would be easy to kind of try and turn away and hide for your own well-being. Now, if you're a new convert and you're facing persecution, how much easier is it going to be to turn? So it's important that he write this epistle to those who, who are facing these dangers. Uh, that's about all of the, the kind of the background. Of course, with epistles, we don't get a whole lot of history like we do in the Old Testament. And we kind of have why he would be writing and the people he's writing to. So that kind of takes us into the letter itself. Uh, did anything stand out to you? Well, one thing uh, that just struck me as you were talking, so that would mean Peter was pretty advanced in age at this point also, right? Uh, I don't remember how old he was when he, when he was martyred, but I, he, I don't think he was young, but he wasn't, like, he wasn't an old man at this point, I don't believe. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't know how old Peter was. Um, okay. But we know, obviously, he was respected and somebody that everybody looked to for guidance and direction. So that, that really helped his credibility when he yes. was writing this. Yeah, yep. people would have known him. I mean, he, he had some, some, uh, some power in the words he was speaking. So it's not like some common person was writing to all these people who were facing persecution. I mean, somebody that followed Christ directly is speaking to them and, and saying, you know, even though it's tough, be sustained in your faith. It's, it's a powerful epistle, and I'm, I'm sure as you, the listener, read through it, you'll see that uh, there's a lot of good stuff in it. Oh, definitely. And one thing I noticed was he uses a lot of quotes from the Old Testament, and I felt like even more so than Paul usually does. And I wondered if that was to increase his credibility again with the, the people that he was speaking to. And then I also wondered would Peter have been less educated in the scriptures than Paul was? Hmm, that's a good question. I, I don't, I don't have an answer for that one. I don't know, uh, I don't know how, how much of a difference there'd be in their education. But I, I did pick up on it, like you're saying, with, um, with his use of kind of looking back to the Old Testament. And like you're saying, it. it Any time you're reading an epistle or uh, the New Testament. 
I find that the more they reference the Old Testament and bring them together, showing this, this journey of, of Christianity, of the faith of, of God's creation, it definitely it, it's, has more power behind what it is they have to say. Because it shows that whatever this message is, it's sustained. It, it, it's made it this far, and it will continue on. That's a great point. I, lo- I love that. That's really good. Another thing I noticed was that there were, he uses a lot of contrasts, like mm. uh, do this instead of that, and a lot of comparisons. Yes. And so he, I felt like he really had a feel for where they were, in, like you mentioned, in their faith journey, and also what they might need to, to keep them going, as, as you yep. also mentioned. So I really loved that. That really, I think, kind of appealed to me as a writer, you know, as a, a style he was using. Yeah, he doesn't just kind of point them in a direction. But like I was saying about kind of the, the straight and narrow Christianity, he does a good job of showing those roadblocks on each side mm-hmm. by, by, like you're saying, showing these contrasts to the individual. And that's why it's, it's especially important when reading epistles to kind of take into, into consideration who it is that's being spoken to, who he's writing to, or who the author is writing to. Because knowing that he's writing to new converts, these are going to be individuals who probably aren't that versed in scripture, especially the prophets of old. I mean, they're going to be needing some encouragement as well as some educating. So the way that he writes is very much focused on, on the newness of their faith. Good point. And you may have found in your faith walk, I know I have in mind, that at different times in my life, different epistles have spoken to me louder, yep. <laughs> if you will. And so that, that I wondered uh, about that, too, when you were talking, that maybe this was one that, that needed to be loudly spoken <laughs> and, uh, to this particular group. So. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it, and especially for us modern-day uh, readers of this. It, it, it speaks volumes, even as Christians who have maybe been in the church for a day or for their whole lives. There are still times when you wake up and life is hard, and you start to kind of wonder where you are on that road, if you're straying or not. And you come back to this, and you see Peter speaking with such love, and he's so fervent in what it is that he has to say, that that it's powerful, even for us, even for even even for modern-day readers. Yes, the pitfalls they were facing and what he was seeing ahead for them are the same that we're still dealing with today. Yep. I don't know about you, but any time that I'm reading uh, epistles or things like this where it's speaking to um, older communities, times past, I find it very powerful that Scripture still speaks to us today. Mm -hmm. And, And you know, people say, like, why are you reading a book that's so old? What's it, what's it matter to you if he's talking to these people? But sometimes you're reading through these words to them, and it's like he's writing this letter directly to you. Right. And even I, sometimes that happens to me on a daily basis. I have an online ministry for widows. And so I guess I'm always filtering things through what would a widow need to hear from what I'm reading. And every Every day, almost, God will show me a passage or a verse or something that I need to lift up and, and bring to other people's attention as well as my own attention. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible, and I'm glad you, you bring that up as far as uh, giving Scripture to others with a sp- specific purpose, like a specific lens, because that shows that uh, as the reader, as, as the one receiving this epistle, we're reading this in, in a specific lens as well. And it, it's, it's so broad, it fits so many walks of life, and it speaks to so many different things, even though it was written quite a while ago. I mean, 
I, I could talk forever, I think, on just the power of these, these epistles and, and uh, the way that prophets of old or the apostles can speak to generations even surpassing us. I mean, we'll be gone and this will still matter. Right. And it, it's another confirmation that these aren't just words on paper, that it's yes. inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I think that's, that's what gives it the lasting quality that, that we're speaking about. Yep. I don't know about you, but as, as I was reading in my, as I was reading through this myself, I found the way that he speaks with such love important. But I also found it, I found this epistle as a whole to be kind of challenging mm. in, in the way that he's talking about, uh, he's talking about suffering. Because remember, you know, he'll be martyred in about a year. People are being persecuted for their faith. And he's talking about almost rejoicing in the suffering because the suffering means they're walking with Christ and living their faith. And that's, that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes, I think, or maybe all the time when you think about the fact that our faith, living it in this world, does not always mean, <laughs> seldom means things go easy. Right, right. And I, I think it uh, when you see other people who have done it or are doing it, it, it's a greater encouragement. So even though centuries separate us from Peter, we can say, Peter survived this. Other people have survived this. I yes. can survive this. Yes, yep. You can look back and see these, these uh, tribulations that other believers have gone through. Right. And then we can kind of see perspective of our own struggles. Right. And it also shows that this is powerful. Mm. The epistle of Scripture is powerful and it leads us through. Any other thoughts that you had written down? Uh, there was a lot of, there were a lot of images about stones, which that's always kind of fascinated me because of Peter being, Jesus calling Peter the rock mm -hmm. and then it, how he wove those images into this brought in Christ as the cornerstone. So that was, that was very interesting to me again, Probably because I'm a writer. And, the writer coming and, yeah. through. Yeah, I, I didn't pick up on that, but now that you say that, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. That's yeah, fascinating. And then there was also a lot of talk about how to work together. And maybe that's just jumping out at me because <laughs> of our, the culture that we're living in right now where people aren't working very hard to work together. Yes. So I think just raising up the importance of that, it, it was, that was very meaningful for me. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. That was kind of as I was looking for the big main theme of this book, community is the thing that jumped out to me the most. Yeah. I think uh, I think Peter is writing very clearly. I mean, he's writing to all these people, but he's speaking that they might have a community of believers because that's what they need right now. Right. If 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 they are singled out and separated, they won't stand, but a, a church that's together, a community is what they needed. They needed that strength. Yes. And I love seeing in our school the ways that even from preschool, we're teaching the kids how to work together, how to look out for each other, how to cooperate, how to resolve conflict, all yeah. those kinds of things. And I, I think that's probably one of the greatest gifts we're, we're giving our kids through our school is, is just teaching them how to approach life in a different way than the world is telling them to approach it. Yes, yeah, that's that's incredible because they're going to need community. I mean, we all are. We need community, but again, that's not always easy. Right. <laughs> Sometimes that's right. tough. 
it's tough true. to get along sometimes or work together and all these different things. Yes. Another thing that jumped out was me at me was about the talk about the end of the world. And I was wondering, did they believe that they were going to see the end of the world in their lifetimes? I, I've always wondered about that as, as the references to the, to the end of the world. No, I think, at least in my, my own understanding, I think it's probably more of that um, near-far sort of site of prophecy. In one of our past episodes, uh, Pastor Kelly kind of talked about it a little bit, but I think they're, he's talking in a broad scope. You don't know what day or time it's coming, but it's in the future. Could be tomorrow, could be a thousand years. Okay. So I don't, I don't think it was like they were all going along thinking that within their lifetime that the end of the world would come. But it's probably hard to see a couple of days in the future when you're living in such a, a rough climate for being a Christian and a believer. Right. And then thinking about like Peter saw Jesus leave and say he was coming back. And so you would want to think that it, <laughs> that it was going to be a few days or a few months. And probably, probably as time went on and they saw, oh, he's not back yet. Well, <laughs> yep. I guess it's going to be longer than we thought. Yeah. Did they stand and like wait that in that moment? Like, is he coming back in a couple minutes? Like, yeah, exactly. Sit down on a rock and wait. And then like a couple hours pass. And I go, oh, well. Maybe we'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And then you get so, and that's just human nature, you get so away from the event and you go on with your regular life and it becomes less and less real to you and, yep. and have all, have, still have those questions. Yeah, I, I, in, a, in a Bible study not too long ago, I had posed the question of if, if I were to come in and, and tell you that a visitor is coming to your house, but I didn't tell you when and said, you know, you got to have your house clean and a dinner prepared. Like, I think the first day you could probably be like, all right, I'm ready. And then at like a week out, you're probably getting a little bit tired of this charade. <laughs> and then a couple months out, you're like, all right, they're not coming. And then you kind of just go on with your life forgetting that that's <laughs> what I told you. It's kind of like putting your house on the market and you, and you have to have it ready every day. And the, and the more days that people don't come to look at it, then you kind of start letting things yep. slide a little bit. Yep. It's spotless that first day. Right, right. Yep, yeah. exactly. Did you have any other thoughts? Otherwise, uh, we can move on to the, to the five main takeaways. Uh, I think those were the things that really jumped out at me. Okay, yeah, I think that, I think community is probably the, the I'm glad you brought that up at the end because that was the big main theme that I had as well. And I think that's kind of where, at least I would like the, the readers here, the listeners to, to focus on, focus on Peter speaking to a community. So as we, we conclude our episode here, we're going to do, as we usually do, the, the five main takeaways. So the first one is know your joy and your hope. Know it in Christ because we live in a sinful world. And we can't get around that. There are going to be struggles and tribulations and times when we're, when we're struggling to, to carry on. So make sure you know your joy and your hope and know it in Christ. Know it in Scripture, something that is unmoving. Uh, number two is turn from anger and malice for love. Uh, especially these, uh, these individuals that Peter is writing to, I mean, they're being persecuted very severely. And at that point, it's easy to become hateful toward those who are first hating you. But as Christians, we need to turn from that anger and malice and love, even in times when the world doesn't look so fondly on us. Uh, three, know what it costs. Know what the cost of discipleship is. It's not something that is um, richly rewarded here by the world. 
uh, we, we carry on and sometimes it can be easy to feel like, well, I'm a Christian. Why, why isn't my life blessed? Why, isn't, why don't I have everything I want? That doesn't always happen. In fact, it seldom happens. But what we do have is something far greater than riches here. We have salvation with Christ. So know what that costs. Uh, number four, suffering for Christ is being with Christ. Uh, Peter says it in this, in this epistle to those who are suffering, but when we, when we walk along in our faith and we face hardships and things like that, know that you're walking with Christ, you're taking up your cross, and that's what we're all called to do. We're not called to uh, lavish ourselves and build up riches and things like that. We're called to go out and serve. And then lastly, strength in numbers comes back to that idea of community. Love in your communities. Be in community and know that there is strength in all of those things. Well, thank you for, uh, for coming and being on this uh, podcast episode with me. It was, it was a blast talking about First Peter with you and kind of diving in, especially with your, uh, your writing background. There were some th- perspectives that I hadn't even thought of. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I enjoyed it. Blessings to the reader as you uh, go through this letter, and, and uh, I hope it's as enriching for you as it was for us. Blessings.